welcome back. So of course in a series dealing with unsolved mysteries, we would have to, at some point, do an episode on long lost golden treasure. So here we are, like Pirates of the Caribbean, only much older and vastly more priceless, complete with enigmatic figures, ancient maps, and a bunch of sweaty men living communally in the desert. But not unfortunately with damsels in distress, or even worse, there's no rum. Now in 1947, while the Jews wrapped up their campaign of terrorism against the British and the Arabs readied a civil war against the Jews following the UN partition vote, there was still yet a quiet corner of Palestine. In the Judean desert along the northwest coast of the Dead Sea, two Bedouin shepherd boys were tending their flock in an area known as Qumran. The story goes that while looking for a couple stray sheep, one of the boys either stumbled upon or stumbled into a cave that was dug into the side of a cliff. As he scrambled his way out, something caught his eye. It was a tall pottery jar. The boy had inadvertently discovered one of the single greatest archaeological finds of all time, the tip of an iceberg of preserved texts dating back 2,000 years that came to be known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Containing all kinds of historical accounts, epic tales, books of the Bible, and clues to hidden treasure, the Dead Sea Scrolls also offered up a bunch of mysteries that continue to be studied today. We're going to look at two of them. Who wrote the scrolls? Why and when? And where, precisely, might we find this incredible treasure that they buried? That's today's episode of Jew I Don't Know. I'm your host, Jason Harris. Here we go. I would say to young people, and that we can do everyone our share to redeem the world. Upon the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and the network of caves in Qumran that kept them hidden for 2,000 years, scholars raced to find as many as they could. How they gathered all the pieces together is an incredibly interesting story, but we ain't got that kind of time here at Jew, I don't know. Ultimately, 11 caves were discovered during the late 1940s and through the 1950s. A 12th cave was discovered in 2017, and several other caves were also found around the Dead Sea that yielded more texts. Now here's the challenge, and you can do this one at home. Go to your local library, take 950 books in three different dead languages off the shelves, tear them up into tens of thousands of tiny fragments, toss those pieces into clay jars, bury them in the desert for 2,000 years, and then try to put them all back together. Good luck, and don't actually do that. In all, more than 950 manuscripts were found broken up into tens of thousands of scraps that scholars have spent decades piecing together, and still are today. The manuscripts were mostly written in Hebrew, but many were also found written in Aramaic, and a few were found in Greek. Some sections were found mostly intact, but other fragments contained maybe just one word, or one letter, or even one part of one letter. In some cases, Israeli scientists were able to use DNA, since some of the scrolls were written on parchment made of animal hides, DNA testing could link different pieces together that came from the same animal, which is just crazy, like it's the ultimate jigsaw puzzle. And of course, it's not enough to just piece them together, scholars wanted to know how old they were. And that's another amazing story that we don't have time for today. But a combination of radiocarbon dating, x-raying the inks, and comparing the lettering styles to other kinds of texts all pretty much gave the same date range. The Dead Sea Scrolls all dated starting about 200 years before the Common Era and ending about 200 years into the Common Era. 
So 200 BC to 200 AD, for those of you still clinging to your politically incorrect dating systems. And what the scholars found was truly astounding. It's like you can look at the surface of the ocean and learn a lot about what's going on, but then you stick your head under the water and realize how much more there is. The Dead Sea Scrolls enabled us to peek our head underwater and scuba dive down deeper into the Second Temple era of Jewish history. This is the time period that included the time of Jesus, the independent Jewish kingdom of Judea, the Roman occupation, the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the Second Temple, and the last gasp of the Jewish revolt in the second century CE. What was going on in this era, which the Dead Sea Scrolls amplified and gave us greater insight into, was, big picture here, a struggle for power and leadership. The Jews established their own independent kingdom in Judea around the year 165 BCE. This is the story of Hanukkah. But a hundred years later, the Romans invaded and took over, generating, as imperialist occupiers do, intense opposition from the locals. But the fight in ancient Israel was not just between Jews and Romans, but also between Jews and Jews. In fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls really hammered home that it wasn't just Jews versus Roman, but that the Jews themselves were divided into multiple sects. And while the Dead Sea Scrolls revealed that pretty much all the Jewish groups revered the same biblical texts, I mean, that is, they, they all believed in the book of Genesis, for example. They differed in their perspectives, beliefs, traditions, and interpretations of Jewish law. religious and historical texts in thousands of fragments, and putting them together revealed this incredible history to us, amplifying the history that we already knew something about from other sources. And what the scholars found can be divided into three categories. The first is books from the Hebrew Bible. Fragments were found for every single book, except one, the Book of Esther, that tells the story of Purim. And here's why this is amazing. Until the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest biblical manuscripts we had dated from the 900s. It was always an open question of how much of the Hebrew Bible we read today is like that which was written originally over 2,000 years ago. It wouldn't be surprising to find that after two millennia of copying and recopying and translating and retranslating, that a Bible even from the year 900 would, like an historical game of telephone, that it would look really different from the original. The Dead Sea Scrolls pushed back our oldest copies of the Torah by a thousand years, so now the oldest version of the text we have dates to only a few hundred years from when they were written down, or in some cases less. In one fell swoop, we found texts of the Bible a thousand years older than what we had before, which is so cool. And what scholars found defied the laws of the telephone game. The Hebrew text we have today is actually pretty close to identical to what was written in the Dead Sea Scrolls 2,000 years ago which suggests that what we have today is probably extremely close to what was written originally, which is just amazing. I mean, this stuff is so cool. So that's the first category. The next category are texts, which were written down during the era of the Second Temple, but never made it into the canonized Hebrew Bible. Some of them expand on the books already in the Torah, like we got more Psalms and more details about stories that are in the Bible. Other things in this category are biblical commentaries and books called Apocrypha that weren't included in the Bible. Prophecies, historical accounts, legal texts dealing with aspects of Jewish law, even military letters related to the famous Bar Kokhba revolt from the early 2nd century. 
That's the second category. The third category are what are known as sectarian texts. These are the texts that we never even knew existed about different Jewish sects and groups that lived during this era. They wrote down a ton of information about themselves, like their beliefs, their calendars, some of their prayers, stories about wars and giants and the Messiah. Which begs the obvious question, and the first of our unsolved mysteries, who wrote all this? Ever since the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, the prevailing theory on who wrote them was that it was Jewish hippies. As the first century BCE brought together the rough and tumble of Jewish politics and Greek-Roman culture in Jerusalem, a sect of Jews said, I'm out of here. They went off into the desert to form their own communities and live out of their vans. It was like an early version of Burning Man, but no music, no Instagram, no fun, and definitely no women. These guys lived like monks practicing poverty, communal living, intense religious observance, a strict form of Shabbat practice, celibacy for their priests, and pretty much looked down on those urban Jews of Jerusalem who had strayed from the path of righteousness and, you know, didn't recycle. The sect was called the Essenes, and a couple of the most well-known historical sources for this era, like Josephus and Pliny the Elder, they recorded several thousand Essenes living in and around Qumran, near the Dead Sea, which is where most of the scrolls were found. And also found at Qumran were inkwells, suggesting that some amount of writing was going on. So the geographic evidence seems to obviously point in their direction. The scrolls, as it were, were found in their backyard. And many of the sectarian texts that I just mentioned seem to also point to the Essenes. Those texts describe aspects of beliefs and lifestyle that Josephus and Pliny had also attributed to the Essenes, like the whole monastic existence thing. And Jewish ritual baths, which is called a mikvah, they were also found, which means that whoever lived there was Jewish and observant. It's clear that whomever wrote those was living this intensely communal, extremely religious, and very ascetic life out in the desert, just like the Essenes were. But you know what wasn't found in any of the tens of thousands of scraps? Right, that anybody, anywhere, ever had the presence of mind to ever attach a sticky note to the jar that said, hey, by the way, we call ourselves the Essenes and here's today's date. I mean, since the first grade, I've had to label every single thing I ever did with my name, my teacher's name, my classroom number, my grade, the date. Clearly, we've all come a long way. So the working theory for decades was that it was this hippie Essene group who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls and stored them in the caves for safekeeping. But they were wiped out in the Jewish revolt against the Romans during the first century of the Common Era, and so there the scrolls sat, unrecovered, until the 1940s. But in the last couple decades, given that no one left any sticky notes, scholars have begun to question the Essene theory and added several more possibilities. Maybe it still was a hippie sect of Jews living in Qumran, but maybe that was a different group from the Essenes, and we don't really know who these guys were. Because as much as there is evidence pointing to the Essenes, there's also evidence pointing away from them. Like for a group that banned women, female skeletons were found in the cemetery, so that needs some explanation. But one of the more interesting theories is that the Dead Sea Scrolls actually came from the Jews living in Jerusalem. As it became clear that the Romans were getting ready to sack the city, the theory goes, someone went around to the various libraries, including the Sempicun Temple itself, collected all the scrolls, and fled to Qumran to hide them all in the caves atop the cliffs. 
The fact that the scrolls cover so much material, hundreds of manuscripts, and a huge range of topics suggests that this could be a possibility. And maybe they didn't leave sticky notes because they figured that the Jews would win, and so they just come right back. The whole thing was supposed to just be temporary. So the jury is still out on who exactly wrote the scrolls, who hid them, and in what circumstance. But we know that they did hide the scrolls in a dozen different caves. And there, tucked in the way back of the third cave at Qumran, archaeologists found a scroll that was not like the others. It was not written on parchment, but incredibly engraved on rolled-up copper, and contained dozens of clues to a long-lost hidden treasure. In short clauses, the Copper Scroll describes 64 different locations containing treasure. Almost none of its descriptions are very helpful. One location is at the foot of the water wheel of the dried-up irrigation ditch, which sounds like I'm going to find a rusted old Ford Pinto and not, you know, gold treasure of unimaginable wealth. The Copper Scroll was found in Cave 3 at Qumran, smushed all the way in the back, and it differs from every single other scroll in that it's made of copper rolled up metal that had settled into its shape for 2,000 years and was impossible to unfold. Jordan, which had possession of the scroll, sent it off to England, where it was sliced into 23 individual strips that could be turned over and read. The Hebrew was weird too. It was closer in form to Hebrew that dates from a century or so after the destruction of the temple, rather than the biblical Hebrew of almost all the other scrolls. The dating, too, put the Copper Scroll as having been written later than most of the other scrolls, probably towards the end of the first century of the Common Era, or even into the second century. And if so, it probably didn't come from the Essenes, since they would have been long gone at that point. So maybe someone else knew about their secret stash and dropped the scroll in there for safekeeping. But if they did, then here's something else weird and unexplained. The scroll, as I mentioned, was found in the back of Cave 3, which means that it was placed there before the other scrolls that were found closer in towards the entrance, and which do date from the time period of the Essenes, that is, before the destruction of the temple. So either some of these archaeologists are wrong in their dating, which seems unlikely because these people are very smart, or pirates with supernatural skills place the copper scroll, which seems more probable. And the Copper Scroll differs from all the other scrolls in that it doesn't relate biblical texts or ancient Jewish rituals or commentary on the coming of the Messiah, but it deals exclusively with these 64 locations of buried treasure. It is remarkably precise on exactly how much treasure there is and where it's located. Here's another clue. In the stubble field of the Shave, facing southwest, in an underground passage looking north, buried at 24 cubits, are 67 talents of gold. Once again, our ancient geniuses organized a massive amount of information and neglected to include even one link to Google Maps. Presumably the locals knew where the stubble field of Shave was, but that info has been lost to history. Not that it stopped people from looking. But before we figure out where, let's figure out what. What is this vast treasure of? There are four theories. The first theory is that it is the ultimate treasure, 
The ancient treasure from the first temple in Jerusalem, which was destroyed by the Babylonians in the year 586 BCE. We're talking the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments, plus literally tons of gold that the Jewish slaves took from Egypt during the Exodus, plus everything they accumulated in their conquest of the land of Canaan, and on and on. Maybe somebody managed to hide away all that stuff before the Babylonians sacked the city. The Copper Scroll itself was written at the earliest some 500 years after those events took place, but perhaps it's a more permanent copy of a previous text that was falling apart. The problem with this theory is that it's just super unlikely. The historical events are so far apart from the Copper Scroll that it's impossible to corroborate. There aren't any historical accounts outside of the Jewish tradition that mention such a vast treasure or that suggest what happened to it. So, probably not. The second theory is that the treasure belonged to the Essenes, or at least whatever community at Qumran wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. Perhaps it was something they built up over generations. Taxes collected or income from the local economy, that sort of stuff. The problem with this theory is that, as we talked about before, the Essenes were basically monks. They lived lives of poverty and simplicity. The idea that they were accumulating vast wealth to bury in the desert seems remote. So, number two, not great. The third theory is that it was treasure from the Second Temple. Just as one of the theories for the Dead Sea Scrolls is that someone rescued them from the Second Temple before it was destroyed by the Romans in the year 70, so too might that person or someone else have rescued all the gold and silver. The problem with this theory is that what we know of the destruction of the temple is that the Romans made off with most of the treasure. Remember my episode on the menorah from a few weeks ago. The Arch of Titus in Rome and other historical sources record the Roman army making off with the temple treasures. Sure, maybe some survived and was smuggled out, but it's hard to imagine that it was in the quantities recorded by the Copper Scrolls. Another theory is that the whole thing is made up. Perhaps some clown's idea of a joke, or perhaps it was written like some kind of Lord of the Rings fantasy. There is no treasure, there never was, there's nothing buried anywhere. The problem with this theory is that it was invented by people who don't know how to have fun. And that is not our philosophy here at You Wanna Know. Our motto is to never let the facts get in the way of a really good story. And if the facts are missing, that's even better. Also, if the whole thing is just a fantasy, it's a very poorly written one. The Copper Scrolls contain no beginning, no end, no plot, no characters. Just this list of 64 clues. Okay, so we don't really know what the treasure is, but that has not stopped people from looking. There are any number of esoteric websites from people claiming they have found crucial bits of the treasure that they will reveal when the time is right. But in the meantime, no one, to the best of our knowledge, no one has ever solved a single one of the 64 clues, or uncovered even a single piece of buried gold. Archaeologists find stuff all the time. Every time Israel digs a new parking lot, they find coins and pottery and ritual items from ancient times. But they've never found any gold in the quantities described in the Copper Scroll. Still, it might be worth looking. Adding up the gold and silver precisely itemized in the Copper Scroll yields estimates that the treasure would today be worth north of several billion dollars, to say nothing of its raw historical value. So grab your shovels, folks, and get on out there. According to the ancients, there really is treasure in them hills. But be mindful, because as Indiana Jones reminds us... An X never, ever marks this spot. Oh, I'm like the dead sea. Finest words you ever said.
Okay, so a few months ago, scientists revealed the first ever picture of a black hole, which got me thinking about the end of the world. The Jews have been considering the Messianic Age for thousands of years now, and the Dead Sea Scrolls write about an enigmatic Messiah figure as well. So who is it? Who will be the Messiah? How will we know when he gets here? And most importantly, when will he get here? That's next time as we consider the end of the world. The heat throughouts, see you later.